Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing, obey. Amen. So this morning, as we begin the sermon, we're going to start off with a little trivia. And I invite you to participate in this exercise from home, but we're going to see how the associate pastors fare against one another in this high-stakes trivia contest. And so I am going to offer a quote from a movie, and you are invited to write down the character and the movie. I can tell Pastor Angela is very excited. I can tell Pastor Edwin is looking on to Pastor Angela's paper. <laughs> I don't think you should, or hers. <laughs> so here is the quote, the first quote. To infinity and beyond. The character and the movie. All right? A martini shaken, not stirred. The character and the movie. I'll be back. <laughs> Is that not good? The chart. I'll be back. Here's looking at you, kid. No, Kelsey. <laughs> Kelsey! <laughs> Mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. And this is the big one, the last one. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. All right, let's see how they did. <laughs> We're gonna start here, to infinity and beyond was said by? Buzz Lightyear. In what movie? Toy Story. <laughs> Did you get it? Did you get it? <laughs> you got, okay. A martini shaken, one. not stirred. I don't know that one. You James, didn't know that one? James Bond. James Bond. Oh. You didn't know that one? Nope. Okay. Yeah. That's good though, that's. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be back. <laughs> yes, yes, Angela. Terminator. Terminator. Okay, here's looking at you, kid. Casablanca. Casablanca. Mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. <laughs> uh, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Star Wars. Star Wars, a new hope. It, it was Princess Leia. Princess Leia. So how many points did we get? You got one point. <laughs> one and a half. I'm very concerned. 
Is it like a total of six? Sure. Really would be 12, but. Yeah. So how many did you get? Four? Got like nine. Pastor Edwin, everyone. <laughs> Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're our only hope. Most of us know that a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Obi-Wan Kenobi had every intention of saving Princess Leia, and not only saving Princess Leia, but saving the entire galaxy by mentoring up a young Jedi Knight named Luke Skywalker, and thereby give new hope to the Rebel Alliance. Partway through episode four, which was actually the first movie, which came out in 1978, Obi-Wan and Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca and the droids managed to board the Death Star. Governor Tarkin, who was then commander of the ship, had no idea that they were aboard the Death Star, but his colleague, Lord Vader, sensed their presence. This was their exchange. He is here, Vader says. Obi-Wan Kenobi, Tarkin says, what makes you think so? A tremor in the force. The last time I felt it was in the presence of my old master. Well, surely he must be dead by now. Don't underestimate the force. And then Tarkin says, the Jedi are extinct. Their fire has gone out of the universe and you, my friend, are all that is left of their religion. The fire has gone out of the universe. You, my friend, are all that is left of their religion. Can a similar thing be said about today's church? Has the fire gone out of the universe? Are we, the people of the church, all that is left of our religion? See, Governor Tarkin is about to find out what Vader already sensed. There is a new hope being born, about to shake the foundations of what they believe. Can the same be said for the ones of the way? Ones of the way. These are the people, the very first Christians, that Saul, a Jewish authority, is persecuting as he makes his way around Jerusalem. Ones of the way. They are our forebearers. Saul, in that time and place, thinks that what he's doing is right by persecuting them. He thinks what he's doing is right for his religion. He might even think that the fire has gone out of the universe and he and those like him are all that is left of his religion and so he has to keep doing this to keep it going, to keep his religion going. He has to squash the ones of the way. He thinks he's doing what's right for his religion. The only thing is he doesn't realize that he is broken, but God isn't broken. He is broken, but God isn't broken, and he has no clue. He has no clue until Acts chapter 9, 
as he makes his way to Damascus and readies himself to extend his arm of persecution once more until right here in Acts chapter 9 when he meets the living Jesus face to face and hears his name called, his name called. Not once, but twice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And there, in hearing his name called twice, he has his whole world shaken. God's done this before. He has called out a name not once, but twice before. Abraham, Abraham, he called his name not once, but twice. It was on a mountainside, and Abraham went from being a father about to kill his son Isaac to a man who deeply understood in a new way what it meant to be a father and a person of faith. God wasn't broken. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob hears his name, not once, but twice, and he goes from being a sad old fogey to a proud papa, about to be reunited with his hero son. And do you know who he was? Joseph. God wasn't broken then. Moses, Moses, he hears his name called, not once but twice, and he goes from being a simple slave to a man with a staff that does nothing more than lead a whole nation out of Egypt and to the doorstep of the promised land, because God wasn't broken. Samuel, Samuel, here he hears his name, not once, but twice. Now, he was just a boy sleeping in the tabernacle, but God was about to turn him into a mouthpiece for the nation, because God was not broken. Martha, Martha, she hears Jesus call her name, not once, but twice, and she was pulled from her worry to join her sister Mary at the feet of Christ because God was not broken. Simon, Simon, he hears his name called not once but twice there at the Last Supper. And he's about to find out who he really is because God was not broken. Seven times in all of the Bible, from Abraham to Saul, a name is called not once, but twice. And each time it's a reminder that God is still here for us to make us something more, to never give up on us. But what about now? Has the fire gone out of the universe? Or does the God that we worship still drop people to their knees? Does God still do this? Does God still change us? Do we want him to? Will Willimon, a former chaplain at Duke, tells a story about a day in which he had lunch with the school's quarterback. Willimon asked him, well, what do you think of what we do on Sundays at Duke Chapel? I don't think about it, the young man responded with his mouth full. Never been in the chapel. 
You've been here for three years and have never attended a service at the chapel, Williman responded, pushing his chair back from the table. God, give me patience, he muttered. Never felt the need, the quarterback continued. I went to church some when I was a kid. From what I can remember, Christians are always trying to get people to change, to be better people. I'm happy with my life the way it is right now, so I don't see the need. Are you going to eat those fries? And the quarterback concluded. My concern is that actually a lot of people coming to church are like that quarterback. Coming here as if this is a safe place. Safe place to come if you know it all. If you know better. If you don't need God to change anything about your life. If you don't want God to pull you from one way of life into another. Into a, a life of actual discipleship. And sometimes I walk right down the center aisle with that posture. Just like that myself. But there are a few that are not like that college quarterback. That when coming to church... They don't come to be entertained or even to follow a tradition. They, they want to believe that God will change them, that God will still do this. They have finally given themselves permission to put themselves in front of God in hopes that the blessings that he once gave, the ones that we know from the scriptures, can still be given again. Have you given yourself permission to get your spiritual life together? Is there even some small part of you that has taken a, a deep breath and given yourself permission to take in whatever God intends for your life? Isn't that why you're coming back to church? I would love to pastor a church full of people like that. I mean, aren't you coming back? Aren't you all coming back in person and online, coming here? Because you really and truly think that coming here might change your life. But will it? Does God do that anymore? If anyone is here for that, if there's any part of you here for that, and I would love it if it was, can you count on it? Is there any chance of it happening? Does he still call out anyone's name not once but twice? Or has the fire gone out of the universe and we are all that is left of our religion? Sitting in that cafeteria with that self-assured college quarterback, Willeman marveled. That's a surprisingly intelligent reason not to come to church. I shall do that in needlepoint, frame it, and put it over the chapel's front door. God at work. Dare not enter this chapel. Don't come back here if you are risk-averse to emerging as a different person. I believe that is true. I do believe if you come back to church, you might emerge having your name called not once, but twice. If you come here and back again, you might hear him call your name twice and you might be something different because of it. You might want to be drawn to him more, to love the world more, 
to offer more mercy and hope and healing. Because the fire has not gone out. God is not broken. 2,000 years ago, he claimed that once and for all. See, a few minutes ago, I told you that there are seven times in the Bible when a name is called, not once, but twice. But actually, there are eight. And that eighth time was the time when they tried to break God for good. They put him on the cross. And while he was there, Jesus called out a name, not once, but twice. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God. Jesus called out, my God, my God. Called out his name, not once, but twice. And then what happened? Then he shattered brokenness for good. Maybe you are feeling broken. Maybe you are feeling desperate to know that God knows your name. Maybe you are hoping to hear it called in a special way like he did for Abraham, Moses, Samuel, and Martha. If that's you, if that's why you've come back to church, if that's even some small part of you, because you want to know that the fire has not gone out of the universe and you want him to change you, know the words of Jesus, the one who conquered brokenness, and let his words be yours. My God, my God, say his name, not once but twice. My God, my God, because we aren't all that's left of our religion. Because God does know your name. Because God isn't broken. In fact, he's our only hope. Amen.